Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number three of Cleared for Takeoff. I'm your host, Gavin Rice, and I want to share what I have learned in aviation, on the job, off the job, and what I've encountered everywhere in between. After a long eight months on reserve, I finally got... <laughs> just kidding. Not a line. For those unfamiliar, a line means a set schedule of trips that appear on your calendar. So each month we bid for next month's schedule in the hopes of getting uh, a line, getting those set trips, and maybe getting particular days off or amount of pay, or as we refer to as credit, or specific airports to fly to, or maybe only having a certain number of legs per day or maybe having trips that are at least three days, four days, five days long, or maybe just one day trips. There's a, there's a plethora of bidding options that are all there to enhance the quality of life for each pilot. And, and no two pilots are gonna have exactly the same bid. But when you start off in the airlines, you'll always be on reserve. And how that's gonna look really depends on the base you get assigned. And, and that can wildly depict what your schedule will look like. So in my entire new hire, new hire class, I was the only one who chose and got assigned to Boston. It worked for me because this meant I could live at home. Uh, other people might have to commute to work where they actually hop on a flight just to get to their first assigned uh, place of work. But for me, uh, my whole family's in the area, so it just made sense to, to be based out of Boston. But with my luck, because I chose that, the base turned out to be quite senior, uh, meaning that there were a lot of people there uh, who had been at the company for quite a long time. And so that in combination with over the months, our flying hours in Boston particularly kept getting reduced. So this meant that even though I was slowly making my way up the seniority list each month, less and less lines or set schedules were getting assigned. So even though from one month I should have gotten it, because of less hours, it just didn't quite pan out for me. So that's just the way it goes. I, I should add that uh, in the United States, the airlines are unionized. So everything regarding your schedule is all about longevity with the company and how many people are in front of you, hence that seniority. So the higher up on the list that you go, the better bidding options will become. So in, in my case, uh, at least I made it to the top of the reserve pilots. So finally, I have been assigned long call or LCR reserve, which gives me a 12-hour call out instead of what I had previously, which was a two-hour call out. So for the two-hour call out, uh, I, I, they could, the company could call me and I'd have to be at the airport within two hours. But now with that 12 hours, it, it just leaves a lot more room, uh, wiggle room for life. And it's just a, a huge increase in quality of life. Uh, because I'm no longer house tied, you know, I can, I can drive different places. Compare that to a two-hour call out, um, which I was doing for the few first few months that I was there at the company. Um, like I said, I'd have to be at that airport in two hours from that call, so it could be a little stressful at times, and and that's why I got uh, a place within an hour driving distance to Logan Airport in Boston. Normally, the the average pilot who plans ahead will have the bag packed and uniform ready to be thrown on so that you can get out the door quickly. Uh, but then, then there's me, and I, I apparently like to flirt with the chance of not being called, and we'll have to scramble pack if this happens. I do, <laughs> funny enough, I, I do recall this one time I was lower on the call-out list for the day, and I, I figured I wouldn't be called. Uh, I, I stayed home, which is what I, I needed to do, because a lot of times you, you really can't risk going out and about when you're on that two-hour call-out. 
but uh, like I said, I, I was I was at home, and they uh, they called me. Uh, my phone rings, and it's it's none other than, than than crew scheduling company calls me, and I answered. And to my horror, they need me in the airport from in two hours from the the time of call. In fact, I think they even asked me for uh, they asked me to waive my two hour call, and I said no, I I can't do that. I need my two hours to get there. Um, if I was maybe on airport property already, that I could waive it. But um, no, I, I needed my two my two hours. So uh, in this moment here, I was I was still in my pajamas and breakfast mode, and uh, it was it was time to scramble and get ready. Uh, huge shout out to my girlfriend, by the way, for gathering some snacks together for me and filling up my water bottle and ensuring I packed my toiletries. Uh, I actually ended up timing it from the minute I hung up the phone to being in my car, uh, starting up that car and, and ready to go. It was about 23 minutes. So uh, mind you, I was packing my bag for a three-day trip. I had to shower, shave, get dressed, and, and of course couldn't forget the goodbye kiss to my savior of a girlfriend who, again, packed me those snacks and filled my water bottle. So all of that in 23 minutes, in my mind, is, is pretty impressive, wouldn't you think? The one thing I've noticed with getting used to this travel life is that I've gotten really good at packing. So being able to do all that in 23 minutes is, is only because I've had the time to over over the over the months to get used to packing uh, and just being really efficient with it. Um, I, I used to take a long time sorting out what I needed and would usually spend a good hour getting all packed up for for any kind of uh, trip where I was traveling on an airplane. But now on a regular basis, if, if there's some clean and folded clothes, that suitcase will go from a mess to neatly packed and sitting next to the door within three minutes. So it's it's pretty amazing. I, I remember first getting into this, I reached out to one of my friends because I, I asked him, I was like, how do you pack? I mean, I'm, that's one of the things I'm really nervous for. But he told me, ah, with time, you'll get used to it. I didn't believe him then, but it, it was true. Uh, over time, and just repetition, I, I got used to packing, and, and now it's really second nature. So back to my life on reserve. In order to give me some more flying time and gain more experience, I would often, and, and still do on occasion, uh, trade or drop reserve days in order to pick up some trips from colleagues and friends. And additionally, if I'm lucky, I can pick up open time pairings, which are essentially the scraps left over from the bidding process that scheduling will eventually assign. However, right now, with our the current makeup of the regional industry, we've got a lot of first officers compared to captains, so there's more first officers to be fighting over these these open time pairings. So they quickly they quickly go away uh, again because of that lopsided uh, pilot group with the abundance of, of first officers. So it's it's always a battle. Um, and I, I rarely am able to pick up any open time pairings just because I, I don't submit right at 12.01 p.m. on the day that they, they get posted. You know, if you're two minutes late, you're not going to get anything. So it's all a, a first come, first serve basis. And it's it's pretty ridiculous, honestly. But that's that's OK. That's just that's just part of how it is. <laughs> I'll, I'll add a little side note here for the listeners not as familiar with the makeup of airlines in the United States. Um, there are your common, large, well-known carriers and they're referred to as, as legacy carriers. This is American, Delta, United, Alaska, and Hawaiian Airlines. Then you have major airlines. That would be JetBlue, Spirit, Frontier, Southwest, Allegiant. There's that new one, Breeze, to name a few. And then you have the regional carriers. 
So regionals are airlines that fly for the legacy networks. So think of a major versus minor league baseball team, I guess. Uh, different team, but same organization. So American and Delta have some wholly owned regionals. Uh, examples, Endeavor, Envoy, PSA, etc. Uh, Alaska has Horizon. And then there's my company, Republic Airways, that operates for American, Delta, and United. SkyWest is another similar airline, and I think they also cover some flying for Alaska too. So SkyWest will do a total of four of those uh, regional routes for those legacy carriers. There are a few more regional airlines such as GoJet, Air Wisconsin, Commute Air, uh, and I think a few more. I, I think of, what is it, Mokalele, um, I believe partners with Hawaiian Airlines when you're hopping around the islands in Hawaii. So I'm sure there's more. Uh, I'm sorry if I missed you guys, but just trying to get the point across so that you understand kind of the, the makeup of, of how the airline structure in the United States works. So, uh, so again, if you were to book a flight on American, Delta, United, or Alaska, you might be on a regional aircraft, but you won't be booking straight through that regional airline. So for many pilots, uh, a regional airline is a stepping stone to make it to a major or a legacy carrier, the, their pilot, the pilot's dream job, so to speak. And um, for the most part, you have to get some flight time at a regional before moving on to a major or a legacy. I will add this has changed over the last few years, in fact, just the last few years alone, um, because a lot of movement is going on in the industry. Uh, when, when COVID first hit, there were a lot of early retirements, and so that opened up a lot of hiring potential for the majors and legacies. So you have companies like Frontier, uh, and I think Allegiant, maybe another one out there, uh, that are taking pilots straight out of flight school and putting them through their excellent training programs. So uh, to many of us who are at the regionals, that might seem unfair, but as they say, life isn't fair. You know, for many, uh, a regional airline will just be that stepping stone, but also for others, it will be their entire career at a regional. And um, again, earlier I mentioned minor league versus major league. That That's just to better understand the concept of the difference between the two companies. But in reality, an airline is an airline. Uh, it's all operating under the same regulations. You're just flying a slightly smaller jet with a few less people on board. So it's, it's, still, it's still a big deal. Uh, in fact, here's a little advice for you. When a pilot tells you they're at a regional, don't ask when they're going to be a real airline pilot. They're already at a real airline. You know, it's just kind of one thing I've heard some people say that a regional airline pilot's still an airline pilot. It's all the same. So anyway, <laughs> to bring things back uh, from that little side tangent, because of the incredible amount of movement in the industry um, right now, a lot of captains are leaving to go to that dream airline that they want to go to. And again, like I said, when, when COVID happened, things kind of stopped. People were stuck. Uh, they weren't going anywhere. Then you had a bunch of early retirements, and um, it, that that created a lot of gaps uh, in, in personnel to fill. So it was now open season for getting hired, and, and still is for the time being. Uh, so on the regional side of things, we needed pilots too, uh, and fast. And the one problem is that the regionals have been hiring so many first officers compared to how many captains we had that now things were starting to get unbalanced. And all of a sudden you had a lot of flying to go around with not enough captains and too many first officers. So this meant that if you were a captain, your quality of life was down because you were getting worked a lot and getting reassigned all over the place. So you'd have, for example, some of those line pilots, you might have your set schedules that you bid for in that month, but now you're going to get 
reassigned all over the place and you're you're not going to be flying the trips that you wanted to to enhance that quality of life so it was almost as if you know why bother bidding because you're just going to get thrown all over the place because of this some call outs for fatigue would go up and and utilization of reserve captains would increase too so uh, over this past summer in 2022 talking with some of the the captains they would go an entire month of being used every single reserve day i mean it's crazy a typical reserve schedule is uh, i believe 18 days on 12 days off somewhere in there and and imagine getting used every single day versus on the first officer side things were a bit different because there were more of us so there wasn't as much flying to go around i would still fly a bit but not nearly as much as i'd like to i mean i, I signed up for this job because i wanted to fly you know <laughs> um, but as we moved into the fall of this past year and through now we still have been losing more captains than we can replace. And so this means that in order to handle those operations, uh, we have to turn down a lot of flying from our code shares. So again, American United and Delta, we, we have to tell them that, hey, we can't handle all the flying because we just can't staff it. Mind you, I, I speak of, of my company at other regionals. This might be quite a bit different because of a better balance of captains to first officers. In fact, uh, I know that's the case because all summer I never saw any SkyWest planes in and out of Boston. And now I see them a lot, which means they're handling a lot of the Delta flying we would have normally done. So as you can imagine, there's a, a bit of a pendulum effect in the regional airlines that make it really interesting. And depending on the company you're at, you're either working a lot or you're staying at home. And I'm the one staying at home. And um, just to kind of bounce back to comparison between regionals, uh, Republic Airways doesn't have force upgrades, and that means that once you are a first officer for a thousand hours, you'll actually get contracted into a requirement to be upgraded to captain. This does help a little bit with that uh, captain to first officer imbalance, but again, uh, a lot of those will still leave anyway. Um, at Republic, we have no force upgrades per se, um, which there's there's an ongoing debate about whether or not force upgrades are a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, there's the business aspect of it, and then there's the personal opinion, you know, quality of life. If you upgrade to captain, your life is going to change a lot. Um, there is the increase in pay, but I'm just going to kind of leave that out there as a, as a discussion point for you all to take in and, and uh, discuss amongst yourselves, I guess. But having a force upgrade versus not having a force upgrade will definitely change the balance of, of first officers and captains at, at a regional airline or, or any airline for that matter. But anyway, going back to me, I, I'm the one staying at home. So as of writing this podcast in January of, of 2023, I'm the last one of my original new hire class uh, from late 2021 that does not have a line. So as, as crazy as it sounds, one friend in the group uh, he's logged over 800 hours and i'm sitting at uh, less than 400 so less than half of what he has flown which is pretty nuts i i will add though he is a workaholic and he bids for the highest amount of hours and you know what i'm, I'm stoked for him i'm it's awesome he works really hard and he's loving what he does uh, and i just got the short end of the stick and although i would love to work as hard as he does i can't unless I change my base, which would mean commuting or moving. And, and at this point, uh, I'm just going to accept that, that this is life for now and, and things will work out in the future. And I'm quite happy, uh, happy that I get to spend a lot of time visiting with family 
and work on various projects like uh, this podcast, for example. Um, and I, I still get paid enough to cover the bills. And so life is good. I, I really can't complain. Uh, again, with the quality of life, especially with that long call reserve and the 12 hour call out, I can hang at home and, and work on a lot of stuff and get things done and do all the house chores and get to that laundry that I haven't done in a little bit. So anyway, it, it things are really good. Like I said, I, I can't complain. Recently, a, a buddy of mine asked our group chat if anyone could swap his four-day trip with something else. He wanted to take the time off to be with his dad, who was retiring from American, and it was also his dad's birthday, so it's a big celebration for sure. I jokingly put in the in the chat, I'll, I'll trade your trip for my long call reserve, um, and, and I did this jokingly to show that I'm always on reserve, and that's kind of the thing that I put in our group chat that, you know, when someone complains or, or says something about their schedule or whatever, I say, well, I'm not even flying, so... <laughs> Um, so I, I just kind of threw in that joke there. I swear, minutes after I'd put that in the chat, he called me and, and boom, we made the switch. So now I had this awesome 20 hour of flight time on my schedule, which is exciting because now it would, it would get me that much closer to my hours to either upgrade to captain or, or maybe move on to another airline. But alas, a week later, scheduling stole that trip off of my schedule in order to help a new first officer consolidate. So consolidation means that within 120 days of passing your check ride from in your initial training at your airline, you have to get 100 hours of flight time. They can extend it to 150 days, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, if you do exceed that, you'll have to do your check ride again. So I, I remember being there myself. You know, it's understandable um, that you're you're trying to get those 100 hours that you don't have to go back to the sim environment, go back to training, but. It's just, it's kind of funny being in my position where I picked that up in the Boston base. That's one shot in the foot where I don't really fly that much, that much at all. And then uh, now I don't even get to do this extra <laughs> trip at all. So that's kind of a bummer. But on the bright side, uh, I would still get paid my minimum guarantee. And now I had more days off. So generally I, uh, well, every month I'm guaranteed 12 days off. And now because that trip got replaced with just off days i now had another four days off so i think i i think it was about 16 or 17 days off that month so it, it ended up being pretty nice but to shoot my other foot my next assignment of long call was then converted to short call so now i was i was house tight again and uh, but per our contract just to make this clear per our contract scheduling is allowed to convert our long call to short call three times per month and every airline's a little bit different uh, with how many times they can do that. So again, in my company, we can uh, scheduling can do that three. I uh, should add three segments of reserve. So usually they'll they'll use that entire segment. Uh, my segments will be anywhere from two days to six days, depending. So uh, they did that to me, and uh, it, it happened in the past, and that that's fine. But like, come on. I mean, we have so many first officers in Boston. Was that really necessary? Especially after you stole my previous flying hours, not but a day prior. I mean, it was it was, it was just kind of adding up to this disappointment of not flying. And I guess I could have thought of it as well. If they're converting me to short call, they might use me. But they didn't even use me after that conversion. So, you know, I, I had to convert to the short call, which means I was now house tied. And, and then I didn't even end up going anywhere. And interestingly enough, my buddy who gave me that trip, who I, I traded with long call, that long call that I gave him also changed to long uh, to short call for him too. So 
Um, I never discussed with him, but I think that messed up his whole trip with going to visit his dad for his birthday and, and the retirement celebration. So it's just, it, it's kind of funny, I, mean, I, I guess ironic how this, this all is kind of me just being dramatic and complaining a bit and, and it's just kind of the way it goes. And, but at, at the end of the day, when I really think about it, it's like, there are so many worse things that could go in life. Uh, why, why should I be uh, grumbling and mumbling about this. I mean, I remember, funny enough, I remember when I first got into the industry and went on my first trip. Uh, that, that will be a whole different story with a dedicated episode, by the way. Um, I, I noticed how much, I don't want to go as far as to say drama and complaining, but it's not too far from the truth uh, regarding scheduling and, and hotels, van rides, this, that, and the other. And fast forward to now, and I'm in the same boat. Um, I think what it is is we get used to things working out well, or at least we have a mindset of how things should work and then they don't. And I was, I was actually just having this discussion with, with my girlfriend. I mean, pilots do get paid fairly well. And a huge reason of that is the, the quality of, of life regarding your work. I mean, you're constantly on the road, you're in and out of hotels, you're away from family a lot of the time. And so when things do go, I wouldn't say as far as awry or south, but maybe they do, uh, depending on how you look at it. When things don't go as planned, your schedule gets changed around, or now you're, you're house tied. I mean, it, it stinks. It's, it's a little unfortunate, but that's just part of the job. And again, going back to talking about seniority with longevity with the company, once I get more and more of that, eventually I will get that line, that set schedule, and then I can at least plan my month out a little bit better and, and know what's coming in the future. So to, to kind of summarize the whole reserve life, things can get pretty interesting because of the low demand for first officers, particularly in Boston right now, and, and that trip getting stolen off my grid. I went the entire month of November without flying at all. And I was a little apprehensive of this, too, because I had recurrent training. Recurrent training happens every year where you'll go to the simulator and, and you'll practice a bunch of emergency procedures. And it's, it's a requirement that all pilots have to go through. And that recurrent training was coming up in the beginning of December. And so I, I was looking forward to flying to retain or at least regain some of that lost, lost proficiency. But alas, I, I did not fly prior to that training had me a little worried, but I made sure to study quite a bit and prepare as best as I could. And, and, um, and I, I ended up doing really well in the recurrent sim training session. And in fact, the instructor said I was, I was clearly prepared and, and that was a relief to me. And to add a cherry on the top, while not flying a bit, since this recurrent training was on my schedule, it, it counted as a, a reset to where I sat on the reserve list. So in other words, I was, I was back at the bottom of the call list, even though I didn't fly, the schedule kind of counted it as as a flight trip, uh, a pairing. So now that bumped me again to the bottom of the list, even though I was pretty much at the top of the list about to fly, but now I was back at the bottom. So long story short, because of that, I went an entire 45 days of, of not flying. So 45 days of not working, not flying at all. It's, it's pretty insane um, compared to the summer. I think my, my peak month, I might've done 55 or 60 hours in one month. So it's just, it's kind of wild how it, it's just this roller coaster of, of working, not working, sitting at home, waiting to be called. And that's just, that's just how it goes. But anyway, that was, uh, that was quite the rant of me just expressing my feelings about being on reserve. And, but I'll reiterate that 
it could be so much worse, uh, especially now with the long call assignments. I can go visit family. I can go on long walks with my girlfriend, work on projects like 3D printing, catting designs for my dream house and working on this podcast and getting back into woodworking. I mean, there's so many things that I now have a little bit more time for. So I've had people, uh, my girlfriend, my mother, that they remind me that, hey, you know, appreciate this now because things won't always be that way. And they're, they're, absolutely correct at some point i will be working a lot more and it'll be harder to do things like this in my spare time so anyway that uh that wraps up this week's episode about reserve life for the next episode i'm going to change things up and talk about my life prior to the airlines as a flight instructor when i was a little bit busier <laughs> and the um i'll be i'll be recounting the day i got to send off a student to fly solo all by himself for the first time. It's going to be a really fun trip down memory lane, and it's a chance for you to hear how we pilots reach our first big milestone in our career. And uh, I'll be I'll be sharing little bits uh, from when I soloed as well, and, and comparing it to the time of, of signing him off for his solo. And uh, it's just going to be a really fun episode, quite a bit different from from today's episode. Also on my website, I am starting. So, uh, starting with this episode, episode three, there's now a, a comment forum type discussion board, and I would love to have your feedback, and just have any discussions, answer your questions, gather any ideas about future episodes. So even if you're listening to this on, on Apple or Spotify or Google or whatever, uh, you can head over to my website, pilotgavin.com. Uh, that's pilot and Gavin. It's the different spelling, G-A-V-A-N, pilotgavin.com, <laughs> and uh, head over to the podcast page and you can select the episode uh, you'd like to add to your comments. Uh, and again, like I said, these comment threads will be starting from this episode. So number three and four, it won't be on uh, episodes one and two, but I would, I would love to see some of your input, your feedback, and, and I would just love to chat with some of y'all. So anyway, thanks for tuning into this episode of Cleared for Takeoff. I'll be back next Friday. And until then, as always, fly safe. Mm-hmm.